0: You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hello there, and welcome to today's session of the podcast where I will be interviewing Dave Selick of Sidgrove. Now, if you know Dave, then you'll know how much of a futurist he is when it comes to using tech. We've all had our fair share of embracing technology over the last decade or so with the technological revolution that has happened in the accounting profession. But Dave is taking it to another level entirely. Uh, so this is uh, I really enjoyed this interview with Dave. Dave. About talking about building the firm of the future. He talks about some of the tech that he's using at the moment, the way that he's set himself up, the gadgetry that he's got going on. You you probably want to also check out the, the YouTube video of this podcast, which is on my YouTube channel, Reza Huda. Just search for it on YouTube so you can actually see Dave set up and the, the number of stream decks that he's got running the ship of uh, of how he undertakes it, The the basics that we do day in day out, but does it so much more efficiently than we could ever dream of. Uh, So do check it out uh, if you want to see his actual setup. But uh, not to worry, you should get the bulk of the experience through this podcast do I ask questions to Dave as to how he got set up with his business Sid Grove or how he adds value to his client base and where he sees the future of the profession going and how he is aligning himself up to add even more value to clients so this session is entitled building the firm of the future with Dave Selick. hope you enjoy if you do enjoy remember to leave us a review on your favorite podcast channel that would be much much appreciated and if you haven't already let's connect on LinkedIn on the Facebook group and other channels where we are present so take care enjoy the show and i'll see you on the other side if you're listening on the podcast hello to you you can't engage but um thank you for being here so without further ado dave uh how you hey.
1: doing yeah i'm doing all right i just said to you i'm pretty pretty tired i'm sure that goes for most accountants across the country if not the world so yeah that's my truth right now but lots of exciting stuff going on
0: um yeah long winded way to say i'm pretty good Cool. Fantastic. How are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well, indeed. So give us a little brief introduction about yourself then, Dave. So kind of um, how, how did Sid Grove come about? A little bit of uh, history on you and then, um, yeah, how did Sidgrove come into being? That I think a nice way to start.
1: Yeah, of course. So some people might have heard this story already, um, but I'll go sort of back to near the start, I guess. So I originally trained at PwC, like you, I think, Reza. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was there for four years in banking in London um clients like the London Stock Exchange New York Stock Exchange Goldman and really didn't like it it wasn't really my thing but it was a great place to to train obviously um and I still advocate that for sure uh yeah f- I then moved on after four years and, and kind of didn't know what I wanted to do um and I think that goes for probably a lot of accountants coming out of the big four um went into a an advertising company as a management accountant and then re- for a year and enjoyed that but still felt like mm, not sure I then went into sales randomly in that company. That's a whole nother story, but eventually moved into the startup space. And for the next five years after that, um, I worked at various startups around six startups as uh, number one in finance. And that's really where I felt that I became an accountant that I was comfortable with, where I really felt like I was bringing value and where I really started to enjoy the profession and saw how I could fit into it. Before that, I just felt like, oh, God, OK. All I really want to do is DJ and teach yoga or something like that. And then actually, when I joined startups and was working face to face with founders, I was like, I get, I, I'm vibing off their passion and what they do. I can work at businesses that I believe in and buzz off being such an integral part of that. So that was that five years. And you might ask me, like, why did you move on from there? Why didn't you just keep doing that and move up and do sort of CFO roles and stuff? Um, well, I disengaged almost every accountancy firm that I worked with when I was working internally in those businesses and I got to the point where I was seeing stuff that I won't go into specifics where I just felt like this has to change and I felt like I was getting to the point where I was talking a lot about what had to change and not actually doing anything about it because I couldn't from within these businesses so I I went I went along to ZeroCon 2018 at that point I was still ahead of finance of a business that was a part owned by Bacardi and just thought this is a super exciting area to, to start practicing. You know, we've all been talking about that, but it is, and it? it was just a sort of really pivotal moment for me to then go, "I'm going to do that." And that was also at the same time when I discovered the Stream Deck device, which we'll talk about. said I wanted to be all around Stream Deck, but you know, that's something that's, that 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 kind of workflow, not necessarily the Stream Deck per se, was something that inspired me to realize, hey. You can change the way we do things. This technology will enable us to deliver a completely different service to clients and the one that I have the vision to to provide so currently um, i've been running sick growth sort of full time for around just under two two years now. I work with around lots of clients, but about thirty kind of regularly, and then I work with maybe around another fifteen in different capacities I also partner with a development agency who, who I work with to do financial models. They invest in, in sort of early startups and dev for them. So yeah, very varied, um, lot going on. I haven't scaled the practice yet, was looking to do so sort of around COVID. Really glad I didn't. Um, I just co-founded a tech company which is inspired by the Stream Deck workflow. And that's kind of me, I think.
0: Fantastic. That's great. Thanks for that introduction. And uh, yeah, lo- lots of areas where we can spin off. So what I think would be beneficial. And, I'm, and if you're watching and you've got a question, put it in the comments and I'll be happy to to put it to Dave. So firstly, you know, you're obviously very much of, you know, doing things in a different way. So talk to me about what is it that you think you do or you are doing differently? What is your kind of your unique uh, value proposition? What kind of clients are you working with and how are you using the tech that you have? Clearly, you're still doing accounts and stuff. So you're still using Xero. How are you then using Xero and other things and obviously your favorite app of all, Excel, I'm sure. You know, how are you using that to kind of package it up into this value proposition that makes you different from kind of, you know, most accountants?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, just to say first off, like I found that really hard to understand. Okay, I've got the experience of being a head of finance. I know what I need to do for any specific company in this space because I've been doing it Mm -hmm. and been providing value to founders. Doing that on scale, you know, as an external accountant working on a consultancy base is a whole different thing. Um, so what is my new unique proposition? Well, lots of different things, but I think for me, it's effectively, I wanted to take that head of finance service Mm -hmm. and give that to companies way earlier at the beginning of their uh, transition or their progression as a company, their journey, you know, I was coming into startups maybe five years down the road, turning over at least, you know, five million say, and I just felt there was this massive area from like zero, literally seed pre-seed to five mil and obviously above where they just we just didn't really have a service we did but not the service i was providing as a head of finance so my service really is virtual head of finance services and having that ability for those clients having an ability to literally tap into me whenever they want to so i don't believe and i'm sure there's lots of great accounts out there who have the same mindset in this approach of you know the once a year type thing the transactional commoditized. Um, accounting approach and even with digital firms and management accounts you can still have that kind of commoditized transactional approach whereas for me it's about building really good relationships with all my clients I see them all obviously it's different because it's just me right now but I built something where they're all friends as well as clients and I have a really close sort of empathetic I'd like to think relationship with them Um, like how do I kind of make sure that's brought through into my values obviously I haven't scaled it yet but You know, I also teach yoga, I DJ, and I've brought these influences into the accounting firm in terms of things I believe that should and and do make me different. You know, and I want every accounting firm to sort of take these inspirations, but, you know, being more empathetic to clients, more compassionate, being more creative in the way that I design workflows. So yes, you talked about different app stacks. I think the key thing is for me quite early on in SigRave is I didn't, I stopped looking at what everyone else was using and I went, this is as a client, you know, from the other side, this is what I needed. This is what I saw founders needed and SIGGROVE and what I do is all about constantly going, right, how do I provide that? There, I'm gonna work, this is what they need and I'm gonna work back from that and just look at all the technology I could be using to, to deliver that rather than going, and I did start off doing this when I started the practice, I realized I needed a scalable solution, but rather than looking, right, what is everyone else using? What are the apps they're all using? And let's go with that. I didn't start with, I I sort of quickly moved to, they need this. Okay, right, let's move back. And actually I started with the approach that I was taking within businesses that I was providing, you know, the way I was working with Excel within these businesses as a head of finance. And then when, how can I scale that? And then that's where the Stream Deck came in and became a product, an ecosystem that allowed me to take things that were taking me like nine days, let's say a financial model within a business. I could do them in half a day. And that kind of you know, in combination with creating templates and assets within Excel using Stream Deck um, and interfacing out into tons of different things. It might just be something like initiating an, an Outlook template. It might be using Notion to manage the communication with clients so that they're not coming back and forth all the time. We have a really efficient way to communicate, you know, different ways to take what I was delivering and, and to make it scalable, essentially. And I'm still working on that.
0: Mm, fantastic. Now, that's um... Yeah, no, it's great to hear i mean you know like you i've been a bit big advocate over the last few years of uh, of providing this kind of full finance function from bookkeeper to cfo and anything yeah. in between for the businesses that um that, that really need it and like you say people don't really think or can't, you know, in their minds, they can't employ an FD until they get to a certain size, you know, million, two million yeah. plus is when they might, you know, just start to think about it. But, you know, it's crucial because most businesses, you know, fail within the first five years. So how can they tap into the expertise of someone at FD level, um, financial control level, but still have someone take care of their books in an efficient way for some, for, you know, something which is cost effective that they can afford. And that is the area that I believe, you know, we as accountants, we can fulfill that. That role with tech that we have these days we can do it much more efficiently than we ever have done before and you know for the last 20 30 years accountants have got very complacent with this once a year recurring free model where as long as you don't make a complete pig's ear of it the client will come knocking again but times have changed things have moved on the clients are more demanding now as to what they yeah. want from their accountant because others are filling this space and if we don't quickly move into this space then somebody else will because this is the kind of stuff that we were trained to do But then we we leave it all on the shelf and we just do the commoditized accounts once a year. It's no good. We need to step up and do what we're trained to do and actually help these businesses with navigating the, you know, the complex world of finance and using our experience of working with different businesses to add value to their lives. So... I'm totally with you on this, Dave. So now talking about some practicalities in terms of the how, right? So, you know, accountants are hearing this and saying, yeah, it all sounds great. And I would love to do this, but you know, where do I start? I didn't really do it. F- I haven't really been a head of finance, I haven't been an FD. Where can I start to actually start, you know, practically use some of the tech that perhaps you're using, you know, how are you delivering this? Talk, talk to me about that. And hopefully that might help give people some, some tangible takeaways.
1: Yeah, no, of course, and it's not easy, is it? Um, you know, and I, I totally get people like, yeah, it sounds great. I want to be able to do that, you know, but it's really, really hard. And maybe the I've tried the apps are not really working for me. So, um, yeah, it's tricky. I think you know, you know, people are obviously counselors are becoming increasingly curious. To I think, as you noted, like just there are players now in the market who are moving into this this area of advice when everyone's having to move with it, and that's great from a client's perspective, and that's what you know I, I'm really sort of key, keen to advocate. And um, what tech am I using? So yeah, I started off looking at some of the apps, so like the future of the spotlights, et cetera, And these are, these are great bits of tech, but didn't fit my needs. And I felt like in order to get the ultimate level of bespoke kind of reporting to clients there, I moved to Excel quite quickly in my journey with SIGGROVE and is something that I've been working with in terms of creating templates to deliver management accounts, financial modeling for, of course, as a head of finance, but I then took that into obviously In the last two years, I've been honing that as a scalable solution. So in short, and this isn't necessarily what people are going to want to hear. Because um, obviously, the way you phrase that is like, what's the magic pill well, to a certain degree, obviously, I want to provide that, you know, what is the solution? What are the answers? And on this, essentially podcast, obviously, it's a video as well, but I can't tell everybody, or show it can possibly take you through the whole ecosystem that I use and everything I use. But in short, I have developed, let's call it like a baseline Excel template that for various different clients, I have then bespoke for what their needs are. It might be they're looking at employee utilization. And so we're pulling information from their their timekeeping software, and that's driving some graphics and stuff in Excel. Or they might be using Shopify. And so I'm bringing some graphics in there. Or this particular management might wanting to be looking at, rather than a last 12-month analysis, they want to look at. This year, and then put in the projections, or I don't know. Look at things in a different way last year versus. Probably. So you know, I'll bespoke the accounts, but there is a baseline template I have created in Excel with the data dear fee, which some guys may have heard of. Um, I go on about this quite a lot on LinkedIn and various things that you know um, talks that I've done. But um, if you're not getting what you need from the apps in terms of delivering advisory, and for a lot of people and a lot of accountants, they are then Excel is definitely something to look at. So that's kind of what I will say there in terms of Excel, as you might be able to tell with like the the video and stuff, like I've invested a lot in how I communicate with clients and this is something I'll be looking to scale with the practice, which is just stuff like doing video and the web calls that I have with them and having that something that's available for them to, to, to have more regularly. I find that It helps with the communication, the management information. It helps to stop kind of like potentially, you know, using things like Loom, lengthy meetings and questions from clients, which I know people are overrun with when they sort of do things like give them access to WhatsApp and Slack. So that's the communication aspect. I've gone really deep, really into that. Um, And then for me, again, I've talked about it a lot, but using, okay, I'll I'll just touch on the basics, obviously, just so people can relate. Like I do use, I use Data Melino. I also use Receipt Bank. Um, I'm 100% zero um what else tech in that kind of space do i use not too much else to be honest i don't use things like xavier um and i don't currently for practice management at my size i just currently use notion so notion is a really really key tool for me um i'm sure there are probably quite a few people that are interested in it because it's got quite a lot of press recently if you watch any youtube you'll see them all harking on hopping on about it um, it can do pretty much whatever you want to do. And for sort of smaller practices, I think that it's a, it's it's almost something that could cover off all bases. So I do client one pages on there. I keep that whole world. So they have access to that. It shows you what work I'm doing. I document within it. I provide the accounts feedback where I embed um, the accounts via ebook, the video feedback, the commentary, and they can ask questions. That's a really great tool that's going to help me as well. And then obviously finally, and I might have missed out a few things. Sorry if I have. Um... You wouldn't know, would you, if I had? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, sorry to myself, if I have. I don't know. Um, looking back in this video. Yeah, so the last thing is obviously the, street, the stream deck, the Elgato stream deck um, ecosystem. So I'll just move to that camera. So this is what's in front of me. People have seen this before. Um, if I can get my camera straight somehow. Sort of, there we go. So that's currently what sits in front of me. And those, I'll just come back here because I don't want to sort of like let that take over so much. Unless people want it to. Um, there's a whole, you know, I did a lot of, um, a lot, I did a few webinars around that and I've stopped talking about it. And that comes on to the next point, which is this has become so integral to the vision I have for Sigrove and quite frankly, how we do accounting in my opinion, because it's that transformational, you know, the stream deck and the, the, the workflow that it's enabled for me isn't like 10, 20% gains. I'm talking like hundred percent, 150% and quite frankly, just. I wouldn't be doing this job if I didn't have this technology. Like, I just couldn't handle it. I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. And I have so much admiration for accountants who are doing it without this because, wow, like Headspace in a bad place. Like, it's, you know, we're juggling loads on those different things. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, the, the company we just co-founded after a lot of deliberating and a sort of year of of looking at doing it is to take this technology into the professional space we're currently working with the Manufacturers of Stream Deck and various other partners to to make that happen. Um, fundraising the next month or so, and looking to work with some early adopters on the accounting side. Um, but it's not just solely exclusive to the accounting world. But it's something that I felt not felt like I felt was, an, yeah, I I had to do because I sat here and I was like, I can't scale this practice if I don't work out how this technology is scalable. And as it is, it's not. It's a gaming device that sits natively on your desktop. It's not a cloud-based solution, it doesn't have centralized control. It's not out of the box. Anyone who's bought one who's seen my stuff and is like, Dave, looks amazing. What the hell? Like, it's just a blank canvas. It's going to take me ages to do this. And, 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 and you know, I apologize for those that have kind of had that experience. Like, it's a, it's a lot of work. Yes, the workflow is amazing, but it needs to be out of the box for it. You know, something like Xavier, you, know, you log on, bang, you upload your clients, and you've got immediate value. Right, and it needs to be that kind of experience. So, yeah, and also, obviously, you know, there's no coincidence that we're now looking at a workplace that's about to be overrun by Gen Z gamers. You know, people that are watching their their favorite YouTubers using this kind of device every day. And um, what an amazing like workflow it would be for them, and an attractive option it would be for them. Um, whilst we're trying to attract the best talent into our practices.
0: Absolutely upon your inspiration i have one too <laughs> there we go i must say you're right you know it's uh, <laughs> you know what the one thing that i use it for more than anything else and it's just it's a complete dream um yeah. using it in this way you know the the snipping tool in windows where oh yeah narrowly you've got to press three keys to get to it now i've got just one button on my stream deck and it is an absolute revelation it's a god oh song. it's amazing it's very very awesome. could i mean you talk about every snip God, that's going to amount to so many hours over my working life. I love it. <laughs> There's so much of that. being alone, just, it's
1: definitely worth yeah. it. <laughs> 100%. You know, I've got it hooked up to people wanting me to snag it as well. So you snag it. That gives me, because all about snipping now, like for, for you know, because I do a lot of that with clients, right? Constantly yeah. doing little screenshots and stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, And I've got various different options here for different, <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but different snips. Like yeah. I have, you know, one that will give me a border with a shadow, one that won't give me a border, one which will give me a shadow, no border, and one which pans. I press it. And I can select an area and then I can scroll down and select a bigger area. And that's all of the push of a button. And that alone, as you say, Mm -hmm. if you've got a workflow around, and I have a massive workflow around that because I'm constantly sharing. uh, I am a big believer and we might touch on it, but the the client experience in the UI and UX and so important. It has to be beautiful. And that comes down to even things like emails, getting people to read your documents, getting people to read your accounts as an attached PDF. mm, Yeah, like any friction point at all for me is something I look to override. And for me, I take screenshots of the accounts, put them into the email and then link to them. So I'm using the snipping tool all the time to take pictures of stuff that I then attach a link to so they can just press that in the face of the email. Um, And it's just little stuff like that that I experiment with and just kind of get feedback from clients as to how is that affecting the experience for you? Do you like that? And then, you know, meanwhile, whilst I've got this COVID scenario and it's just me, um, yeah, by the way, this is ridiculous to set up, right? But it's all about me at the moment taking advantage of that. Meanwhile, my head's going, you need to scale. You need a bigger team. No one's going to take you seriously. But, you know, using this time to innovate, and I probably spend 50% of my day experimenting with workflows, building workflows, templates in Excel, mm-hmm. um, um, systems within, within uh, Notion and doing all the things that I do not need to be doing as a, single person in my firm but with the view that I'm creating something that when I want to go with with scalability I'm ready to do that and to do it
0: fast yeah. absolutely and, and that that's awesome that you are you know clearly investing time in working on your business in terms of setting up these systems so that when the time comes where you're ready to scale to take on people, it's all there ready. You bring in the people who can run the systems to do everything as efficiently as you've set it up. So a couple of things you talked about, I mean, Notion, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm with you. I'm a big lover of Notion. But um, I think it's really it's a it's a big game changer. I run my whole kind of coaching and mentoring business through it. I'm also working on building because essentially you can you can use it to create your own software. So I'm actually um, yeah. getting uh, launching kind of a business, a advisory type piece, of so building it on Notion and hopefully then rolling it out to um, to members of my program. So watch the space uh, if you're on the program, but that it will be coming shortly because I think it's a it's a great tool, like Dave said, in terms of the client experience having them come onto something which looks nice which is easy to navigate which they want to uh you know they want to engage with they want to get value from yeah. it's it, it's you know gone are the days where kind of just a plain old excel spreadsheet or an output from iris or digital will do clients just aren't interested it's just text it's just numbers we've got to bring it to life we have got to think of new and novel ways of bringing numbers to life to actually you know to to do that advisory role to actually you know uh, be the accountants that uh, our clients want us to be to help them in their journey so I just just
1: just going to jump in there really quickly such an overwhelmingly important part of what you just said is not necessarily 100 is all about beautiful and creating good UI and UX experience for them and you know the clients to interact with and they want to be and want to work with but people are overwhelmed with content and apps and software at the moment they have enough to deal with in terms of their own app stack within their own business like for my mind i I mean this is just my opinion i don't want them logging into another futurely or another practice management tool or another collaboration tool or something that they don't know that's foreign to them people now know notion notions becoming mainstream to the point where most of my clients say oh dave either they've implemented it in their practice in their company already or they go oh on the back of you working with me in Notion, Dave, I've implemented it into my company because it's amazing. And pretty much all of my clients know Notion. They work with it anyway. It's the software that now is becoming universal. And so it doesn't have to be Notion per se, um, it could be G Sheets or Excel. Companies know these, right? We start putting things into other foreign software that's specific to the accounting space. They're like, what the hell? And that is one of the key reasons as well why I, I did obviously content on it for Digital Accounts Magazine. I pulled things into PDF and then put it onto an ebook. Because that is a universal platform, the world wide web, that everyone has access and there's no barriers or friction to them accessing that content or them going and logging into another system. So minimizing the login, simplifying the workflow for clients is just as important as anything.
0: Absolutely, yeah, no, big believer in in reducing friction to get people, what we to get clients doing what we want them to do. So one thing that might be useful to talk about is pricing. Everybody loves to talk about pricing. So how do you go about me. pricing up your packages for this yeah. head of finance function that you are offering? Talk to me about that. Do you have individual client avatars depending on the uh, the state or the stage of business lifecycle that they're at? Do you base yeah. it on parameters like turnover or transactions? How do you price that up, particularly for startups, which can be challenging because yeah. they kind of need, need that high-level input from you, even when they not may not be uh, revenue-generating yet? So talk to me about a bit about that, and, uh, and let's see what that conversation Yeah,
1: as, as you know, this isn't something I like to talk about that much, but it's becoming more relevant for me, but it is super important. I understand that. Um, and that's because my approach with SIGGROBE was always built upon build the product, build the service, and then that will take care of itself. And um, but I'm now at that point where it's like, okay, let's work out the price. But it but no really key thing to bring up because it is still really hard and it's still something that I have to 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 address. So with startups, it is really hard. And I think that a lot of them find this very difficult when they go to accountants. Um, even you know, from maybe the the near to their seed stage and they get a quote and they're like that doesn't make any sense because that's quite a lot and i'm not doing a lot right now so i agree with that as much as we need to quote for our value um if they're at the beginning of their um of their business their journey we need i feel we need to be empathetic to that so i'll normally quote for like a first three months or a sort of pre-seed if they're pre-seed if they're not even returning over revenue i'll take that into consideration then in that quote in that proposal we'll also sign off on another price point later down the road so there is built in different from from maybe businesses further along the progression there is you do take a bit of a hit but you've got potentially you know a business that's going to take off in the near future and there's huge um it just comes with the territory if you want to take on the business in the startup space and have all the kind of fun and and, and kind of enjoyment of working with those businesses for me there is that element of having to price flexibly so i would do a more regular review than probably a lot of counters will do i'll review even monthly quarterly And have to be flexible with these clients, hence why I work with them on a month-to-month basis. Um, But I still have my kind of basic pricing levels. So for a limited company, I still start at like 150 pounds, and then I kind of look at what okay, what else they need on top of that, and that can be really flexible. You know, I think for me, it's about um, it's different because it's just me. So I've been kind of looking at pricing in terms of making myself profitable, and then right now. I'm looking at, obviously, how do I scale that? It just hasn't been my focus, which is why your content reser, and, you know, a lot of the other guys in the industry is really interesting to me from that perspective. Um, The key thing has been that clients love what they're getting from me. And now I'm looking to go, right, how is how can that be scalably priced? I'm lucky because I do a lot of financial modeling stuff and that pays well. You know, I will charge somewhere between around two to three thousand for a financial model. Depends if they're, if they're a startup and I work with them. It could be less than that because there's an ongoing relationship. But I can do those pretty quickly because of the templates I've set up. So for me, it was all about, right, how can I, very much your approach of like, okay, I know kind of what the price point is in the market. I know how much ahead of finance is. If I can be delivering this, then I pretty much can charge anything I want beneath, let's call it, you know, a grand and a half a month because I know that's the cost that it would cost them in the market outside of working with Sigruns. And for me, the margin on anything below that, anything, you know, and above kind of three fifty a month is 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 a huge is a huge margin for me. So I haven't really been very specific there because it is different from client to client. Um, I'll be honest; it's something that I'm I'm now addressing. So you know, I I do fine. Um, you know, but um, in terms of scaling the approach, now is the time to look at kind of how having delivered, having created this 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 service provision around what i kind of called sigro 360 which is management information kind of ongoing support and then interfacing into a financial model that updates every month as kind of like the premium service and then everything in between that um it's it's now addressing kind of scalable pricing which i haven't had to
0: absolutely so far
1: (laughs) so yeah the answer is uh, that's um not something i have you know you listen to sort of guys like joe david who have a close relationship and he has a very you know rigid pricing um, structure and that's just not something that i have right now um but uh yeah i'm, I'm all ears for
0: you know what's your what's your average fee <laughs> alistair's asking
1: oh hey alistair <laughs> um average fee is somewhere in the region of around 300 pounds a month for ongoing clients so it's not huge but i've i have a lot of financial modeling stuff so um that tends to kind of bring up my my fees, but that wouldn't be right to kind of skew it, you know, yeah. skew the monthly fee with with all that kind of work. Yeah. So yeah, I know the value is probably greater than that. Something I'm I'm looking at, and um, as I said, I didn't feel that the value was greater than that when I first started. I think that's the key point. You know, I was I worked with clients in terms of building something, and I felt like I wasn't necessarily delivering that kind of value, the value that I was confident in until I was confident with the value, aka sort of recently, I haven't really felt comfortable with putting the pricing to where it is better represented in the market. So because I was going through this kind of process of innovating and creating all these Excel templates and management information and sort of tearing up the raw book, essentially, I, you know, I'm just being open and vulnerable now. Like I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with the value I was offering because it wasn't complete in my mind, whether regardless of how everyone else might have seen it. Um, until I felt like I was really generating giving a client exactly what they needed. I wasn't prepared to, to, to go out there and to, to move my pricing to, you know, where it should be comparable to the market for that, that, that service. And that's something that's happened recently. Um, I now have a really scalable approach to delivering to these businesses with strong assets, templates and, um, you know, output around that. And, um, yeah. You, you know, you asked me that question probably in about a month, two months from now. Two months from now, there'll be a very different answer. <laughs> good, good.
0: No, no, that's that. You know, it's it's always uh, an evolving thing when it comes to pricing. And um, clearly, you've, you've you've said that um, it's something that you are you are working on. I think you're massively undervaluing yourself. <laughs> I think you've got uh, so much to offer to uh, the likes of the startups and the and the companies that you are working with. Uh, but you made some you made some really um apt points and uh, whether kind of you've done it intentionally or not i think it it, you know it's in line with how we should be thinking about pricing moving away from the thinking that we should be making a profit on every transaction because we don't offer transactions we don't offer services we are offering a relationship so we should be pricing that relationship yeah in the in the thinking that we're not we don't just have this accountant for this month or this year uh, sorry client we are looking at a lifetime value of clients and when you understand that when you make that mindset shift from at, from actually saying we don't need to make a a profit on every single job that we do every single conversation we have every single email we send we don't need to because we're looking at it lifetime value which could be five years 10 years 20 years how much profit can we earn from this client in a 20-year period not for just through what they will do how they will expand the offshoots but also through the referrals that we when we, we bring So here is a very valid point about looking at it in that way in terms of being empathetic to them at this point in life. And actually something to think about because we also have a kind of a virtual FD option, which we offer to uh, startups, to people who have got kind of seed funding. We've got three different options where they themselves identify to say, right, okay, we've got three options. We've got a we've got a growth FD package. So, you know, if you're looking, if you are someone who is, who is hungry about growing and you've got finance, you want to move fast, this is the package for you. Then we have a reliance FD package. So they may have someone in a finance team and they want us to provide that oversight. And then we have a comfort FD, which is, you know, even, even less than that, where it's just kind of, um, you know, supporting them in whatever they wish to do, but they just want to, um, to, they may have got to a point where they are stagnant or they're stable and in a maintenance mode. So by kind of identifying where they are, and then within that, then they have complete peace of mind. They can use us as much as they want for what they need at that point in time, we're not measuring time, we're measuring, right, okay, you guys, you need to raise money, we will give you the forecast that you need. You want, um, you know, you need this now in this time frame. you will get access to us for this monthly subscription that you are paying because it's right for you at this time. And that averages it out. So rather than thinking, right, I want to make a profit in the here and now in this month with this client, I'm looking at it long term, you know, these guys are going to grow and I'll give them the support that they need now based on where they are now, because I know it will, it will repay over the long term so some some perhaps people thought there but you know clearly you're, you're on the right tracks in terms of being empathetic and, and ho- hopefully you'll find some models that will work for you oh, and- it's
1: a trick yeah it's a tricky one as well Reza because my why was always to help those businesses at the early <coughs> start of their journey and that wasn't necessarily tech companies for me I do work with tech companies but like real businesses like real people doing you know, not the kind of potentially overinflated kind of valuated, valued kind of tech companies with VCs. And I do do that stuff, but yeah, it's it's really tough because I was very passionate about providing this kind of service that I was providing to, you know, more established kind of startups to the early stage. And some of them just don't have the funds to, to you know, and and, and to to pay for those services. And I think the one mindset is, well, if they don't have the funds to pay for it, then they can't pay for it. Whereas my mindset coming into it, was, well, I'm going to provide it to them and then work back from there and make it affordable, make the margins. And then what happens then though, is then you flip that and get to this stage and everyone's like, you're delivering like on another planet of value to these guys who you're charging the same as like, what accounts are charging for yearly compliance. I'm like, I know, but it works for me in terms of bottom line, but then they go, well, but you could be charging like three times the amount. And I think that's where it sort of conflicted with my why and I'm having to meet halfway at the moment or rather, you know almost I've, I've actually started talking to other accountants in terms of working with them and consulting with them because for me, it was, yeah, I don't know. I'm twisted in my why at the moment in that regard, because I want these guys to have this service. I start paying my prices up. They can't have it. And all of a sudden we're back to square one. Does that square one? Is that a saying to point okay. one? Yeah. That's the same kid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's kind of where my mindset has been. So ironically, through wanting to deliver to these guys at that level, it's led to me like doing some insane innovation in workflow and quality of output then now it's like mate you're way over servicing and actually i don't think i'm over servicing i just think i'm over un- you know potentially undercharged undercharging but that's also like exactly what i set out to do so it's you know it's it's having a it's, it's working out how that strategy moves forward for me you know i set out to transform the way we deliver finance to early stage startups founders that has repercussions for the way we deliver to bigger businesses for sure. And so that's why I'm interested in talking to other accountancy firms about taking some of the work that I've been doing and helping them implement it into their practices Um, and they can charge whatever they charge. That's fine. For me in SIGgrove, it's about understanding how that goes forward, whether I work, whether I wanted to, to, to scale something or want to work with other accounts to do it or scale something commercial. And, you know, I've got to the point where the value I'm offering is, it's now easy to, easier to have those conversations around pricing. Um, and then on the side, do stuff where I offer discounted um, services to projects, businesses that I be- really believe in. And then that's not actually within the sort of commercial strategy of the business. It's almost like charitable work to a certain, degree, you know, certain extent. Mm. Um, but I thought it was just worth saying that because I'm slightly unique in that respect revenue and sales have never have never driven me so far like for me it was all about transforming the way we deliver finance delivering to these people and working back from there.
0: awesome no that's um... Yeah, that's that's a great mindset. I mean, it's it's not a unique mindset that you want to deliver so much more value. I think a lot of mind, uh, a lot of accountants are in that mindset where they just want to help and they don't want to say no and they give the clients what they need, but then they fall into the trap of overwhelm, of uh, over-servicing and undercharging, and that brings its own problems. But you yeah. know, you've clearly got things to a level where everything is efficient and automated, and you're delivering value. You just got to find that sweet spot between right, I'm providing all this value how do I ensure that it's not undervalued by my clients? Because you're giving them so much and you're helping them to achieve lots of outcomes which otherwise they perhaps wouldn't have. How are you you still able to kind of hold your value with clients and and communicate the value of that offering? But, you know, it's been a great discussion, Dave. We're already over time. So bringing it to an end, um, are there any questions? Uh, I think that's just a comment from Adam saying, as you're keeping the fees relatively low by comparison, could you reach an agreement to increase the fee going forward based on the level of growth as a percentage could be win-win for both you and the client? Something to perhaps uh, think about. (laughs) 100%, I mean,
1: I, you know, yeah, thanks. I do appreciate that. And I think, you know, hopefully a lot of people can, you know, kind of resonate with what I'm saying. I think that's why maybe it's an interesting conversation because, you know, the service is like exactly where I want to be um, the pricing might not be, but that's for me. Yeah. It's an, it's, I think it's a relatively easy, easy conversation for me to have. And, um, yeah, I will feedback on that at some point in the future, but, uh, yeah, it's been good to talk. (laughs) Awesome. Fantastic.
0: So just, uh, closing then where do you see, let's say the next five years for you, for the profession, what kind of, uh, what uh cuz you're clearly someone who is very future focused so um yeah talk to me a bit about that before we close off
1: yeah for sure um, and we obviously alluded to it earlier in the conversation but this whole kind of transactional commoditized um compliance based accounting i see that in various capacities you know technology robotics rpa machine learning etc increasingly taking over from 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 humans and therefore the value we have to evolve we have to move into the advisory space we've got to do that you know quickly so i i just i see continued innovation technology obviously i'd love to get my technology into the market and show people how transformational that is and therefore i see things like and i go on about it all the time empathy and compassion towards clients to your clients to clients being so so important this idea of the trusted you know kind of your trusted advisor being a really really key theme for the future i think you know the guys like alistair you know those guys i saw a question there out clip folio uh, live dashboards and the accountant moving towards the you know that the typical internal finance department being a key theme as well so empathy compassion uh, a move towards the, the monotonous workflow being taken up by robotics and increasing move towards us um, you know interacting more commercially with kind of live dashboards i think these are all kind of key themes for me that i see happening and therefore as a result of that it's a different demographic of accountant that takes on that role for my mind You know, I would think that the traditional accountant will start moving into roles like coding, whilst the kind of maybe traditional sort of consultants, potentially this world, and more extrovert characters who want to get involved in business and and, and work with people will actually move into accounting because they can see not only they're getting a view of businesses that nobody else gets, but they can still do the consulting role and pretty much be a kind of FD CFO from day one, which everyone wants to get to, but you know, aren't prepared to put in the 10 years to get to that position, if you like. Mm, Um, Absolutely.
0: And just finally, what one piece of gadgetry with uh, everything that you've got going on, either gadgetry or software tool, would you recommend to accountants to say, this is the one thing that has transformed your life the most out of everything else and is going to save you time? So I know you've got so many to choose from, Dave, but I'm I'm going to try and get you to just pinpoint one thing. What one software or gadget would you recommend to accountants to go and buy now? (laughs)
1: <laughs> god i mean i i won't talk about stream Deck, decks i always go on about that but i did do a post around my mouse recently mouse. and i just think that like you could map anything to these six buttons or nine buttons here and have you know your zero file your your outlook your um you know your some excel functions or futurely whatever at the tip of your finger and, and for me it was the gateway into uh massively improved workflow so yeah have a look at a mouse that has customizable buttons on it and uh have a play it's really you might find it's quite transformational (laughs)
0: love it love it i'm gonna go on amazon now and buy one I hope you uh, got some value out of that, everybody, uh, from this session. Uh, Dave's in the Facebook group, I think, so if you've got any other questions and you're listening on replay, then just put them in the comments and tag Dave, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to, to chip in and uh, help out and answer. Thank you, everyone, for joining today. Thank you very much, Dave. Really appreciate you taking the time out to join today and share your story and what you're doing with everyone. So much appreciated. Take care, everyone, and I'll speak nice one. soon. Thanks, guys.